Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, your ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with... Dan, your ambassador of nonsense. Welcome everyone. And uh, I have the beer. Hey, before we, yeah, before we get started, uh, real quick, the beer of the week is uh, Unveiled Brewing Double IPA. Um, an IPA, uh, I don't know if I went over this before in one of our podcasts, but an IPA is an India Pale Ale. Um, India? So named be- India, yes. Well, some people call it Imperial, but it's actually the same thing. So oh. the East the East India Shipping Company was the Imperial uh, British uh, shipping company that, that um, you know, kind of was responsible for British commerce throughout the world. Uh, India large, it was the, India because that's where they got a lot of their tea. And of course, tea is very important to the Brits. And um, what would happen is that they would ship, uh, they would want to ship beer and it would spoil on the ships. Uh, they didn't have refrigeration and that kind of stuff. However, they discovered that if they increased the amount of hops in beer, it preserved it better. Something about the oils in the hops kept it from spoiling. And so um, that became a uh, a pale ale that was uh, hopped up with, with extra um, hops flavor. It gave it a lot more bitterness, but because of... Um, its use in shipping, it uh, gained the name um, India Pale Ale or Imperial Pale Ale since the East India Shipping Company was the imperial commercial um, arm of the British Empire. Okay, because see, I I never even knew what IPA meant, but I just knew that whenever someone said it's an IPA, that meant it was going to be, um, you know... <laughs> Uh, nasty yeah to me yeah because you don't like you don't like the super bitter stuff right so, you know there's a, there's a there's differences different um I, I mean i've seen them that are that are just slightly more bitter and i've seen some that are very very bitter i'm not sure what this one is going to be i haven't tasted it yet but the bitterness but is I, there to help it ship in the heat yes okay yes it's it's a result of the yeah the extra hops. What's the thing that I don't know about when they say double IPA and I've I've asked a couple people this and, and uh, I even tried to look it up and I could not come up with a, a standard a satisfactory answer to me. So you know there's a, a beer called a double bock yeah or, or frequently called a doppelbock and you know um, and or it could just be called a double. And, and, of course, there's also a triple and a quadruple, but uh, those get kind of nasty tasting. Yeah. So what I don't know is whether a double IPA is a sort of a something that has features of a double, like a double Bach and an IPA, which would be kind of like high hops, more balanced by more multi Like more, uh, more bitter. It's more, twice well, as bitter. The, no, because the, the maltiness would add a sweetness to it that, that oh. would kind of balance, like a like a breadiness to balance the bitterness. Um, or if it's just twice of what an IPA is. So I, I don't have a satisfactory huh. answer for that yet. Um, some of my favorite IPAs are very bitter. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take a taste here it's, and see how I like this. It's probably good that this is an IPA because I <clears throat> I forgot to put it in the fridge. This morning, and um, so I'm drinking a warm beer. You're drinking like a warm. The, oh, okay. I'm constantly doing that. I forget to yeah. <laughs> put it away, and 
and then uh, it's time to record, and I'm like, oh man, now I got a warm beer. Uh-oh. Oh well, yep. It's I not just too keep, bad. Well, See, I don't, I don't think it's all that. Yeah, it's this is worse. A, this isn't a super bit. Not cold. But the thing, this is, this is a little bit, um, a little bit thicker than I think of an IPA. That's why I, I almost wonder whether double IPA might mean kind of. IPA, but but tending with some of the characteristics of a of a double Bach. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I, I still have to do some research on that. Um, but I I actually kind of like this one. You know, the, and it it kind of bothers me that I like it so much now because it's actually brewed and bottled by a company called World Brew, which it it kind of doesn't even count as a craft beer. It's it's uh, World Brew is like a premium private label uh, beer. Um, brewing marketing and distribution company kind of think of of world brew as like a a record label compared to a group of guys that that have a garage band that produce all their own music themselves yeah. and put it out on the internet okay so you it's kind of but but beer not snob, quite, and not you feel quite, bad well, for liking this <laughs> beer because you're a beer snob <laughs> Yeah, well, that's okay, but it's it's not quite like the the you know like the Budweisers, which I don't I don't know what I would compare them to in my analogy with the record labels. But anyway, you know what Monty Python <laughs> compares them to? No, what? Sex in a canoe. <laughs> I compare Budweiser to that. Yeah, well, all American beer. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I will right, so I will what... bleep out the word, but it's okay. It's close to water. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I, I I almost wonder if there's some kind of you you know what a canoe party is, and a what a canoe party? No. Which, by the way, you should have one if you can ever get a hold of a canoe. But basically, a canoe party is you you have a canoe and uh, you know you don't need to be near a lake or anything like that. But basically, you have a like a canoe, a full size canoe, and you like you know, two thirds fill it with ice and there's just all kinds of ice in it. And everybody and who comes to the party has to bring in. some beer and, and, and stuff oh. and stick it in the ice. And then everybody helps themselves during the day. No, I don't have a canoe, but I am going to be having a party here. I believe for the 4th of July. Oh, that'll be cool. And next week we're painting dad's house. I know I've got it all lined up. So do you know, uh, well, let's talk about that after our, uh, podcast yeah. over. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hey, I need to. <laughs> I need to tell you this. Um, so, a couple. This kind of relates to a podcast you and Jason did a couple of uh, a couple few weeks ago about sex. Yeah. And I. I don't. You know. I. I. To my shame, I haven't listened to the podcast yet, so I don't know whether you. You know, talked about um, custody of the eyes and and uh, habits of of purity and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, but okay. So I, I was discussing with one of my boys about custody of the eyes and, and how important that is. And, and, uh, and generally about, you know, purity and, and how, how much the visual can, can affect that and that kind of stuff. And, um, and my wife was there <laughs> listening and she said, okay. And she, you know, after we were gone, she said, Oh, that was a pretty good talk. I'm glad that you, talk to those boys about that I you know I don't think boys get enough of that so I yeah. I was feeling pretty good felt like I'd you know done something right and got the approval of my wife and everything so um then later we're uh driving somewhere and we're stopped at a corner and 
out of the blue, my wife says, how come you're not looking at that girl? I said, what? She said, you think she's hot, don't you? Ah, uh, <laughs> see, they got you there. You got to watch out. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're trapped in that kind of thing, no matter what you do or no matter what you say. If you look, That's you right. like her. If That's you right. don't look, you like her. So it's like, whatever. So anyway, so right, we what are we get talking about to today? Topic of today. I, well, you know, I, I would like to talk about, uh, something that has for a long time been kind of a, um, a struggle for me. Uh, not morally or anything like that, but conceptually. So, and I, I had always kind of prided myself on on sort of being able to understand concepts, especially related to theology and philosophy and stuff. Of course, I'm not a philosopher and I'm not a theologian. Um, I, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. I struggle when I read Thomas Aquinas because there's. You know, I don't have the, the grounding. I haven't gone and studied in college to be able to even understand the vocabulary correctly and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But what, one of the things that... Did you I just get a, a text people... from Jason? Okay, let me see. I probably did. Hold on. I got some kind of a text. Maybe he wants to join let's us. See. Text message. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Okay, I'm going to say... God. The thing... We're talking about I... Catholic things. <laughs> Yeah, about Catholic things, that's right. You idiot, that's what the podcast's about. You should know. And then the I'm not even home. He's not even home. Why is he texting us? All right, we can go on. Okay, let's go on. So, anyway, um, <laughs> um, I <clears throat> had kind of struggled conceptually with this idea of um, if God created all of time, so, you know, because as a kid, they just say, oh, you know, God has no beginning and no end. And you think in terms of, oh, okay, that means God's forever. That means, you know, time yeah. was going on before God created the universe. And after the universe is done, time's going to still go on and God's there all the time. And then it kind of, um, it, it, when you think of it that way, it begs the question, well, gee, what did, what was God doing before he created the universe, why did it take him so long? Because right. in theory, there was an infinite of time before, and and there, you know, and so forth. And uh, and I knew that that wasn't the right, you know, the, even the right way of thinking about it. Once I got to a certain age, it, it's like okay, that's that's not exactly. It's not like there's a before. Okay, so time itself is something created by God, but but I still struggled with that conceptually. What is what does that mean? That's um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the joke about the philosophy student that was asking, uh, <clears throat> you know, what was God doing before he created the universe? And uh, the teacher answered, well, he was constructing extra levels of hell for impudent students like you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, the, the thing is, um, it took me a long time to understand the idea that uh, that God's act of creating the universe is a, um, I don't want to say constant, but a, um, an eternal act of God himself. And, and the clue that sort of put this into my mind in the right picture is, uh, something that came from Thomas Aquinas, uh, which is 
he said that God is simple. And when he says simple, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't mean that there's no depth to God or whatever. You know, we say that God is infinite. We also know that God is three persons and, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the thing is that when we, when he says God is simple, we mean that God's own existence is itself everything that there is about God. So for example, God isn't this being that could have the attributes, say, of love uh, that is something distinct from God himself. We have that. So we are beings and we can have love as something that we either experience or um, or uh, act upon uh, or whatever, or demonstrate, I guess would be a better mm-hmm. word. Uh, exhibit. We can exhibit nobility. We can exhibit mercy, and and so on and so forth. But but these are not things that are assignable to God as properties. They are uh, intrinsic to His very being. His existence is the same as His love. Is the same as His mercy. Is the same as His justice. Okay. And One the of other... the ways that I've always mm-hmm. said that to people, and it. It probably not as good of a way that you just said it, but that uh, uh, when people talk about God having justice or having mercy, mm-hmm. I would say God is the perfection of justice or mercy. Right, right. It's it's yeah. He is the perfection of all those. It's not something he has in some measure. He is its very perfection. Exactly. Right. So the other thing that that Aquinas says is that there is no potency in God and potency. We mean, um, unactualized power. So, you know, capacity that, you know, there's, there's something that could be done that's waiting to be turned into act or reality, which Mm -hmm. is kind of funny because we we just, it, it, it's, um, it's, uh, we use the word omnipotent, um, or all powerful to describe God. The, The Latin of it is omnipotent. Um, which kind of uses the word potency uh, or the, the Latin root for the word potency. Um, but when we use that to describe God, you know, he's all powerful. That means um, all that that can be possible is in God, but all that can be possible in God is acted. It's, it's actual and not potent in God because God is pure act and there's no potency reserved in God. And so when we get onto that uh, chain of God is love, is mercy, you know, his being is the same as his love, is the same as his mercy, is the same as his justice, we continue on, is the same as his act of creation. Okay. And so, and so the very uh, act of being for God is also an act of creating for God. And therefore creation, his his creation is an eternal act of God because he is eternally since he is eternally, he acts eternally in all things. And therefore he creates eternally. Now that doesn't mean he creates perpetually because perpetuity has to do with time. It doesn't mean that he, uh, you know, throughout some kind of infinite expanse of time is creating. It's just, uh, we use the word eternal now to describe it. It's, it's a single act of kind of a singular um, act of everything from God 
in in one eternal now from which everything is. But it's like it's part of his essence the same way uh, God is love, God is creation. Mm hmm. Right, right, right. Um, God, not not God is creation, but God is creator. Okay. Eternally, just as God is love eternally. Um, that's, you know, and, and in fact, that act, that very act of creation is actually, um, St. Augustine would say, God is love eternally, and his act of creation is a eternal and, um, a, a, a eternal, um, component or, or, you know, of, of his love, I guess you would say not components, not the right word. Um, but a, a eternal, um, aspect expression. Yes. That's a good word. Expression of his love. So the act of creation is an act of his love since he is love eternally. He from eternity creates, um, and therefore all of our, uh, our entire universe, the very beginning of time to the very end of time, whenever that's going to be, all of it in its totality is there in one single instant as an act of creation from the eternal now in which there is no time. Um, and, and that's the thing in eternity, there's no time. So there's no transition from one state to another within eternity. You can't, there's not a, a transition from non-creation to creation or or anything like that in eternity and therefore from eternity from all eternity god is in this act of creation which holds the universe as think of like the whole of time from the beginning to the end all contained in one single ball for example suspended in the middle of a room the whole thing is there and viewable from eternity which is the room itself for example Okay, but, okay, so uh, a couple things about that. Uh, first of all, um, uh, when we die, we will not be, we will not have that eternal uh, existence the way God does. But not in, not in the way God does, no. Will we still have time? That's, it, it the, the things... Um... Most things that we can glean from scriptures implies that we will. However, most it, it, there also seems to be because you know we and, and both in scriptures and the teaching of the church, we know that we will enter into the beatific vision, which means we will see God as He is, which means in eternity. Okay. And so that's that's kind of and, and yet. At the same time, we see in scriptures this promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And so uh, that kind of begs the question, well, if there's going to be a new earth, does that mean that time is going to, you know, are we going to re-enter time? So we die, for example, uh, and say our souls go to heaven. Well, then for us to receive our bodies back, uh, okay, our bodies will be glorified, but does that mean our bodies are going to be in eternity? Well, eternity, there's there's no change. There's no sequence uh, of... of um, right, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, Events they're... or interactions, this, then this, then this, then this. In order for that to occur, there has to, you know, that is time. That is non-eternal. 
And so that's that's kind of one of the things that I was going to uh, sort of suggest in my analogy. It was going to be an extension of it, but but uh, a model where from you know we die, our souls enter the beatific vision, and so now we see God as He is, and we know God in His eternity and in His divinity. So anyway, that's um, my, as we'll kind of see you know in in my analogy as i kind of propose it later the i i I think that there may be a time a a point where you know once having died once having entered the beatific vision where we know god where as he is our bodies are resurrected and enter a new order of time now it could be this very universe this very time and space simply continues and even continues forever, but in some way is transformed so that things like death and that kind of stuff no longer occur. And I think at that point, um, human generation will end as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, the people won't be having babies or anything like that, which it, it, it would kind of be weird for people to have babies because, you know, even, uh, you know, once we've died and and then come back, you know, Jesus even says that, that marriage doesn't, you know, marriage is in this life and it ends at the end of this life. It doesn't right. continue the next world. So I don't, you know, there's not going to be human generation. This is, this is going to be the, the full body of we who, who live and die in the Lord, but whether it's in a continuation of this world that, that goes in perpetuity or a new uh, time and space that gets created. Um, my thinking is that we may then con- go and exist in time, except here's here's the 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 cool part. Now this this is not this isn't hinted in scripture directly. It's just trying to reconcile various things that I'm coming up with. This yeah. Okay? As we are in this new order of time, this this new earth. We'll be going through that with an awareness of our presence in the eternity in the beatific vision of God. So it's like, you know, right now, for example, we actually, within the concept, within the view of eternity, we are there with God. Those of us who are, you know, destined to to be with God, we're there. There's not a change of state from us not being there to us being there from an eternal point of view. We're there. Okay. You're getting But we're not aware of it. You're getting but in close. the middle of time, we might be aware of it. You're you're approaching the uh idea the of predestination. predestination. <laughs> yeah, and, and even the saints kind of struggled with this. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 they had various so let let me propose my uh, my analogy and okay. and kind of a model of this to to sort of understand this and this is something that um it it is just an analogy i you know one of the things about the catholic uh approach to the world and and to knowledge is that we we understand that all of our knowledge is is analogic in some way there's there's we can describe something using words, but the words are not the reality. They, they, right. they share something with the reality. Um, and so as you then use the words to describe images where the images have 
some relationship or some similarity to the reality that you're trying to sort of get across. Yeah, it it breaks down. So I want to just warn everybody listening to this podcast, not not to use the analogy against itself. That doesn't really work because this is just an analogy. So uh, if. If you picture, for example, let, let's say a room and, you know, a nice, you know, beautiful room with white walls and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, colorful pictures of, of maybe, maybe the white is God and colorful, you know, um, it could be colorful pictures or not. I, I like to think of it as white and I'll tell you why in a minute. So that you've got this white room and suspended from the room on this, say, string or cable or something. And it's a fairly big room is this big ball and and don't worry about what the ball is made of yet we'll get to that so this big ball now the string suspending the ball is is god's act of creation the room itself is eternity uh and the or rather the walls constructing the room are eternity and the uh god you know that there's a a you know the the configuration of the walls themselves is god so okay so uh god is uh in eternity and he and from eternity he's got this string which is his act of creation suspending this ball uh in the room and the ball is all of time from the beginning to the end the very center of the ball is say for example the beginning of time and the outside of the ball is the end of time and so if you could think of of space now we have a three-dimensional space but but if you can kind of use your imagination and think of compressing the three-dimensional space into like a two-dimensional um space like like a surface like like everything the entire state of the universe the whole universe through all of space you know and all the atoms and everything that are in space and all the stars and the planets and everything that that individual people are doing and so on and so forth uh for one one instant of time that represents a uh a layer a spherical layer say uh going outward in time so as you go outward you're going further and further in time and and each layer a uh, successive outward layer of this ball is the new state of the universe. And of course there are okay. an infinite number of them. Um, and so now uh, think of the ball and, and you, you know, those, um, you know, those, those lampshades you can get for, for rooms that kind of, that you have a light bulb and then over it is kind of like a dome thing. And then in the lampshade is say like mostly black or some, some kind of opaque um, uh, glass or material. But then they've got these little um, kind of pictures uh, of stained glass or, or just, you know, plastic or cellophane or something of different colors uh, in it so that when you turn the light on in a dark room, they shine out and they project these images on the oh, walls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of, it's, the ball is kind of like that. And the images being projected out onto the walls of eternity, that's our soul's as we having died and having gone through either purgatory or whatever it is we go through until the end of time, we now leave time and enter eternity. And so 
that's, you know, so in order to get there to eternity, we, our individual consciousnesses our you know, our soul with a body, our, our nature, because we're by nature, a union of soul and body had to travel through time from whatever point in that time we were created. Uh, it's, it's, we weren't all necessarily yeah. created at the be in the middle of the ball. We, we kind of came to being dirt, you know, at various points in this ball, but we had to travel through that outward until we reached the edge. And then we suddenly are in eternity. And that's our experience of it is traveling through that ball, but in reaching eternity, but the room itself just shows it all the time. It's, it's not like, uh, it's not like the, from the, from the point of view of the room itself, you're not aware of individual photons moving through and then reaching the room itself. It's just constant. It's, it's one picture. It's a tableau. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of what God's creation of time is, except he, when he created time or when, as he creates time, this time that he creates is already a, a time, a sequence, a arrangement of, uh, you know, uh, natural laws and, and mechanisms that follow from them. And in some cases, interruptions of those mechanisms for, you know, miraculous purposes, for example, um, that accounts for all of our prayers and all of our supplications and all of our struggles and, and everything that, that, uh, we hand over to him to help us through all of that's already part of that picture from this point of view of eternity, because he's, you know, he's, he's the structure of the wall itself and the existence of this ball of time itself. And he's already, uh, accounting for that as he's, as it's developed in this one singular eternal act of creation. Now, uh, one of the things that, that you may be wondering about, well, what about the souls that <laughs> don't go to heaven? Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> my thinking, and my thinking is of this is all right. So imagine that this room has a floor that is just completely black. Okay. So our purpose is to try to get, you know, to heaven not merely to eternity. Everybody gets to eternity uh, and everybody has an eternal existence. But if, if you have grace, that puts you on a trajectory in, in this sphere of time where when you exit, you exit in the upper half of the ball and you reach God and, and your projection onto the wall of eternity is with God. Um, if, you don't, then you're in the lower half of the ball and your projection is onto the floor or in some part of the ball where your projection is onto the floor and the floor is just painted black. Okay. And so you don't get to see God. You don't get to experience God. Uh, you still continue to exist. You don't, you don't get to just disappear and stop a being. Um, but what you do is, is, you know, as you hit black, you're, you're absorbed into into that. And even though you still exist, you also kind of raise the temperature a little bit. And that's, that's kind of my, my very crude analogy for hell then is all the like people fuel who for are, the fire, you know, cause <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, um, so that's, and that's, you know, the, uh, kind of the, a, uh, 
I guess a, a cutesy part of the analogy, but you know the, uh-huh. the thing is, there are people who 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 are going to go to hell. In fact, lots of people who are going to go to hell. Uh, in fact, a number of scriptural passages should make us worry and should make us concerned that most people perhaps are going to go to hell. But those that go to heaven, those are the ones who reach the projection of the walls where God is, and therefore they know God as he is. They're right there on the wall with God, but they're not part of the wall. They're not part of God. They're distinct from God, but with God. Okay. And so that's that's kind of our entry, our entry into the beatific vision. Now, you asked the question, okay, well, what about after we die, after the end of the world? Is it going to you know still be time? Are we going to get to experience you know a uh, that kind of unfolding that we seem to like so much? You know, it's almost like right. we're built not just for for knowledge itself, but for an unfolding of knowledge or something like that. Yeah, because so I like experience time. That in some way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do too. So uh, now here, here's the thing. Whether there is or is not, whatever model, whatever kind of reality there is in eternity, what we know, you know, absolutely is this. It's going to answer all of our needs and everything that we want. So we say, well, I like time. Whatever it is we like about time, whatever it is inside of us that longs for that, it's going to be satisfied in heaven mm-hmm. in, in some way. But maybe, maybe we like time because time is really something that we're destined for. Maybe. So here's where I say, okay, we know that God is infinite, okay? Uh, even though he's, he's like singular, the eternal now just everything together all at once, he's also infinite in being that. And so this room doesn't need to just be a room. It can be a, uh, a hallway, maybe like a domed hallway or something that stretches forever. And it could be that then, uh, or it could be a hallway that, that, you know, stretches upward forever, like a, a, uh, like a shaft, for example, that's infinite. And, and, and nonetheless, this, this ball of time hanging, you know, and those who enter uh, heaven, who, who end up projected onto the walls, um, especially, you know, white walls, they reflect. I, I mean, they don't reflect uh, images as images, but they reflect light back out. That's, you know, yeah. what makes them white. So it could be that, that you know, you, so we've got this initial ball of time, but it could be that there's there's like an extension of it that raises up through the shaft so it the the ball maybe doesn't continue growing you know it's not like infinitely big growing outward but some part of it grows upward through the shaft representing ongoing time where you know from some point the whole universe is transformed you know jesus said i make you know in in revelations um, behold, I, I make all things new again. And, and revelation talks about a new heaven and a new earth coming down. So here's where maybe that's when, when we, when our bodies are raised into their glorified state, maybe they're glorified into this either continuation of, or this new order of time that goes in perpetuity, that goes forever. But 
when we're there because our we you know we, we've also gone through this entry into the beatific vision this this entry into seeing god as he is and this union with god yeah so we retain that and we retain our conscience conscious awareness of that as we're going through time so this time uh we're not it's not like we're capable of of sinning or something like that because we're we're in this vision, you know, kind of uh, in this awareness of the vision of God that that simply won't allow us um, to uh, to offend Him. To you know, to offend Him would be to offend ourselves at that point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we continue to be aware of that, but at the same time, we get to, I think, perhaps um, experience sequence and and you know interactions and and stuff like that you know stuff that that in some measure represents change as we go through um the you know the the eternal perpetuity of this new earth this new order of time so that's that's kind of my thought and and that's my um uh i guess my analogy the image that i would uh okay propose for people to kind of anybody who struggles with this idea that okay wait a minute uh god is infinite and he doesn't have a beginning or an end so you know what was before the creation of the universe yeah well, that, that's the picture and what'll I would be put in, and you know and in fact the you know the, the 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 beautiful thing about that is that and here's where the concept of the predestination comes in from an eternal point of view it's this one single tableau that we who right now are struggling, we're, we're you know, kind of uh, working our way through time to, to, to try to come out on the right side and, and make sure that we get on the right side of eternity and that we're with God and, um, and we, we don't end up suffering hell for all eternity. Um, we're already there for those of us who are going to be there. Uh, and championing and champion, championing ourselves on. Um, what if we're our it, own guardian angels? <laughs> well, that <laughs> <laughs> that's a cute idea, but actually, that would be that would not be possible because angels are theologically angels are necessarily distinct from dead humans. So, for example, right. the we uh, talked about that. Yeah, stories like what was that story with Michael Landon about the. Uh, the angel that uh, he, I think he was, uh, no, he, he oh, wasn't necessarily. Highway to heaven? Highway to heaven. Was he a dead okay. person or was he just a true angel? Did you lose me for a minute? You know what happened? Okay, what happened is that there's a car outside that uh, steals my Bluetooth and steals <laughs> so everything, whether it, I want it to it, or not. Yeah. It's and, connected. <laughs> yeah, and it was like I lost you because whatever you were saying was probably being... Uh, broadcast in the car <laughs> over there and i okay. okay but we're back now yeah all right yeah no i was just i was just saying that uh um oh what was i saying we, we just talked i think about we got how, it all oh or oh highway to heaven i, I was yeah asking, okay highway i, I to don't heaven. remember whether yeah. he's a true angel you know he's supposed he's, to be an angel okay so he's he is a not angel. a dead human you know the one the one that gets it wrong is it's a wonderful life that angel is supposed right. to be a dead person yeah. Okay, but that's not what angels are, so that movie theologically is incorrect. What do you expect from Hollywood? 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. By the way, you know, it's kind of interesting that that's like one of the most watched Christmas movies. Um, yeah. That is one of the very few movies uh, produced by Hollywood and in the public domain. There's no copyright on it. Uh, I did copyright not know there's it, no copyright. It, the copyright to it was given up because it was considered such a uh, complete failure and flop as a movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> kind of funny. I did it? not know that. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, so what, what does this mean? I mean, you know, it, it's kind of nice to think of about these lofty things and it, it's, it, you know, to me, it was really nice to suddenly have that, uh, kind of conceptual clarity that, um, I had struggled with. I, I would say up until about, I don't know, five or 10 years ago. I mean, it, it, this was something that I continued to struggle with until really late in my life. For some reason, there was a mental block. I just didn't get it. But, yeah. um, you know, what does this mean in, in like real terms right now? Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, kind of, and, and I, I didn't explain why, um, why this was a, a bad way of thinking about it at, you know, in the immediate conversation, but we were, I was talking with somebody about God and he said, yeah, I think, you know, God, um, I believe in God, but I think he's kind of lost interest in things. And, and so he's kind of just let things go. And okay. so, and I see, obviously he's coming from this point of view of, okay, you've got time and then you've got God inside of time. And then God creates a universe and sets it going inside of time. And then, and then forgets up. about it or lose, loses interest and goes away. The universe mm-hmm. keeps going but God's, you know, not paying attention to it anymore. Well, that's when, when you understand the nature of this relationship between God and creation, this, the idea that all of creation from start to end is, is a singular act of God from eternity. And that the whole thing is intricately and specifically created by God. You can't support that point of view anymore. If, if you imagine, for example, let's say a, a man's drawing a horse, um, you know, on a blank wall or a blank piece of paper or whatever, it doesn't matter. The thing is the blank paper, the blank wall, you think of that as representing nothingness. Okay. And then the details of the horse as he's drawing it, the, the strokes of the pencil or the, the paint, you know, the brush with the paint, whatever it is that, that yeah. makes up the image that is the arrangement of of time and space and matter and so forth progressing through you know to to create the the completion of the universe and so you know if the horse's nose maybe is the beginning of the time and his tail if it's a galloping horse kind of kind of you know flying out the end the end of his tail is the end of time whatever it doesn't matter how you think of it but the point is if the artist gets to a certain point of painting or drawing this horse and then loses interest. Well, the horse that that's all there is to the horse. There, there isn't any more. If, if he loses interest before he gets to the saddle, uh, or to the, the forelegs, there's no saddle. There's, there's no forelegs. There, there's yeah. He's, he's the part of the horse he drew is all there is. The horse isn't going to keep drawing itself just because the artist started it. Well, that's kind of the way time is with God. If God had lost interest 
in the universe at some point in time, none of the other points in time would exist. Well, it's kind of the so, um, the idea that God's creation, what what he did was set up this uh, set up these laws with matter and space and time and went ahead and just kind of blew them into motion. So like the Big Bang and just kind of sat back and watched the rest. Right. That's but, what but, the that's what he's that's, describing. Right. Is Exactly. But the problem with that is that that model can only work if God himself is inside of time. If that model yeah. doesn't work if God is creating time. Yeah, because he's not right? uh it's um but it could still work if he's creates time, creates everything, and then uh, decides to allow it all to happen without any more interaction from him. Yeah, but the only way that it happens without interaction... See, that's that's the thing. It's like, in order for the time itself to exist, he has to create that moment in time. You see what I mean? He has to continue to create. Yeah, that's he. It's it's like okay, if he you know when he when he does his act of creation from outside of time, he has to explicitly create all the time that he's going to allow for. If, mm-hmm. if he if he if he creates eight billion years worth of time, that means time stops after eight billion years, and after eight billion years, things cease to exist. Uh, if he creates okay. thirty billion years worth of time then that's what he created. If he created 2,000 years worth of time, that's all we would have. Okay. So, and then, of course, doing it from outside of from eternity, it's not like he can watch it because by the mere act of creating it, it's already filled. And it's already been done. Know, there's nothing to yeah. watch. Right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that that's, in, but, but, you know, that's something people who feel like, well, you know, uh, people who maybe had a spiritual sense of, uh, you know, of of a caring creator, and somehow have been led to lose that, to think, well, you know, God does doesn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe someone thinks, well, I used to believe in God, uh, but I, you know, it, I, he's probably there, but 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 he doesn't really have any use for me. I don't have any use for him. Well, you know, this I I, I know that that philosophy doesn't it doesn't uh, I guess answer spiritual needs like that. Um, But it is something that I can put out there and say, Hey, you know, that's, that's a completely, um, it's, it's certainly understandable for some people to feel that way, but that's just a feeling. If, if you, if you were to step back and and look at it, there's no way to support that kind of a uh, understanding of God. The fact that you're here now means he cares about you here now. And yeah. and that kind of you know leads me into the the um, you know another thought you know last last week we talked about animals and animal you know rights and and we talked about it more from a a human relation to animals kind of a thing and what we can learn from animals about for example the um, I don't know the sentiments of God the you know uh-huh. the will of God towards us. Um, but there's something else that that we can take from that, and and if we look at it as, you know, 
all of creation, the entire act of creation as a singular act by God from eternity, every single detail of that is attended to in that act. Um, That also means that God had a plan or has a plan for how creation is going to work. Um, And this includes obviously, you know, things growing and, and things dying and seeds falling. It includes, you know, predators and prey among animals and so on yeah. and so forth. But yeah, it also includes things like the, uh, you know, for example, we like to go uh, camping once a year at the Red River Gorge in uh, Kentucky. And we see some some really uh, magnificent um uh, views there, you know, uh, yeah. the, the, the ridges of the hills and the exposed rock faces and, and different things like that, or people who visit the Grand Canyon or, you know, the, the really, uh, kind of almost bright green emerald fields and hills in say Ireland, um, and so forth, yeah. uh, or, uh, you know, mountains that, you know, in Colorado and, and, and whatever the thing is, all of these things are there and they're some kind of echo of God's glory. The fact that we can respond to them, that we can have that kind of sense of, of awe about them shows that God intended them as a means of showing us in some small way, his glory that he, he intended us to receive that from them. Yeah. There's certainly lots of, of stuff that, you know, okay, his glory is in the fact that we have trees that we can cut down and cut into boards and use and build houses, okay? That's that's part of his glory too. Right. But I think that uh, as we, we look at this, um, there's a, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny that there's a almost a uh, approach to environmental concerns that, uh, would lead us to say, okay, it's not that we should worship, for example, the environment, but we should be taking care to see that things continue to work as God intended them to work. Okay. Uh, or as God set them up to work. I mean, he, you know, he, he planned out the entire universe and he created the species of animals. He created the uh, the existence and reality and both the, the life-giving and destructive properties of water. He created gravity. He created sunlight, all that kind of stuff, um, not just here on Earth, but perhaps we may find on other planets as well. And he created them all, you know, to, you know, each one serving its purpose or multiple purposes within this kind of balanced world um, that allows us his eternal creations we're you know we're the ones made in his image and likeness who, mm-hmm. who are going to then continue our existence into eternity to continue to grow and to produce you know to generate more of us uh to for the purpose of bringing our children to him and raising them according to his plan so that they can experience eternity as well and yeah. so in the service of that goal, we should also be making sure that things continue to operate correctly. And whether that means taking care to, you know, 
to make sure we don't make, uh, you know, industrial cities into uh, smog centers. Right. Or, for example, making sure that, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked about this and, and we both agree that, that one of the um, legitimate roles, say, of government, I mean, we're, we're both kind of uh, limited government uh, you know, in our, in our philosophy, but one of the legitimate roles of government, I think we've, we've agreed is to, um, allocate and set aside, uh, certain areas to, to be preserved yeah, like parks for, for common use. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, um, I think that's a good introduction to what we're probably maybe getting more to next week. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I did want to talk a little bit about environmentalism, Okay, but, but uh, we're like an hour into it, so. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's that's true, and and you know even even not just environment, but but biological environment. So you know when we, like when we look for example at uh, at um, living things, you know we we see even in the Bible it it kind of hints at this each producing offspring according to its own kind. Well, we find. We find that echoed, or we find that to be an echo of our teaching about the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we say the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And whereas an animal uh, is, you know, an animal produces an offspring uh, that is of the same kind, but it, they're not the same animal. Right. Where, uh, But the Father produces a son or rather begets a son that is not just of the same kind, but of the same substance, even though the, the father in his personhood begets eternally the son in his personhood, they are the same substance, the same divine um, being. And then the two of them in their personhood produce, or, or you know, from them yeah. proceeds the Holy Spirit. So when we, uh, engage in, in, you know, our care of living things, but, you know, a farmer who, who grows corn or grows wheat or grows soy or, or, you know, whatever cotton, you know, whatever. But the thing is we're growing things. Uh, now we grow things because we need them to consume and eat and so on and so forth, which is all according to God's plan. But we're also glorifying God because that's an echo of God's own internal reality. The same thing, of course, when we raise animals. Um, so there's, there's a, you know, now, you know, most people who are involved in this, they're, they're so concerned about the day to day. They don't go out each morning and say, okay, let me go glorify God while I plow this field or whatever. You know, that's, that's not, right. not generally how they think it. But my point is that the way God set this up, the very ordering of our lives that we've happened into as humans glorifies him because we rely on this ongoing generation of living things. And we count on things producing things of the same kind. So, yeah, um, that's, that's, you know, just kind of a, kind of an extension of this, that, that, that in this, in this singular eternal act of creation that God has poured so much of himself by reflection and, and by analogy into the way creation itself is ordered. Um, I, you know, I think that itself is something that, that we ought to continuously be amazed at. Right. Okay. I, so, I don't have any questions to that. That's about it. Yeah. That's, I, a, that's I about don't, it. It's a lot to <laughs> the end chew. Of my sermon. 
Um, but I might come up with some questions about it next week. Yeah, it's one of those. Okay. It's a it's a deep thing. Um, it 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 begs some questions. You know, there's there's one aspect of this that I haven't addressed, which is the um, the incarnation. So it's it's like this this there's this part of God that is projected like a piece of the wall itself because of the wall mm-hmm. the structure of the wall is God. So there's this piece of the wall itself that is projected into this this ball because the ball is all of time. And then that same piece is matched by a projection of light back onto the wall. Uh, but in some way that it matches the projection because Christ has, you know, he is the person of the Holy Trinity. He, in his divinity, entered into time and took on human nature. And now he has a human soul, which would also project back out of this this sphere as one of these shafts of light on the wall. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, like it, it gets kind of weird because... You know, then you're, you're, you know, if you think of the, the wall and the structure and this, you know, the, uh, and the structure is, is God. And so you think of this, you know, like kind of an image of a man or something like that. And then this, 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 you know, if, if Christ is the logos, the knowledge of God, so this from the brain projecting into the sphere, well, then it starts to look like a brain tumor and it gets kind of goofy looking and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to go too far with it, but, but the thing is, it, yeah, it's just an analogy. Don't take it too far. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're going to move to current events. All right. Let's do it. Um, you know, a lot going on, and but I, I think the big thing right now is that uh, first Trump told everyone Mexico will pay for that wall. And everybody said, you're nuts. He's not going to pay for the wall. They're not going to pay for the wall. And oh, then all of a sudden, Mexico. yeah. yeah. Then he, he says, said, gonna pay for it. yep, I'm going to make them pay. Then suddenly there's this tariff he ta- starts talking about, which everyone's yeah. against and everybody's going crazy over. But he says, yeah. no, we're going to tariff. It started with 5% and it was going to go up to 25%. And the only way they could get out of it was to stop these... Uh, these caravans migrants from coming through yeah yeah the caravans and yeah. guess what happened the mexicans sent uh they're going to send six thousand troops down to their southern borders and they are going to, to arrest these uh people coming up from honduras and uh, all the other bad places mm-hmm. down there the, the sub-mexican uh, central american yeah yeah so and finally they're going to take responsibility for their southern border and uh <clears throat> They are going to compensate for Congress's lack of action in uh, stopping these people from coming to America and invading. Yeah, shameful, shameful that it came to that. Right, right. We we should. I mean, okay, Mexico all of long should have been controlling it on that level. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, we should also have our border in, in order already. It, it shouldn't right. be. We shouldn't be at this point. And, but, you know, here's the thing. What I think about that, uh, what do you think those Mexican troops are going to do at their border? Do you think that, that they're going to, you know... Think, they're what, not going to treat them do? the way we do. For the most I mean, part, yeah. We arrest, we put them in housing, we put it, you know, and, and I don't know. You know, we get so many thousands coming in every month. I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that we're not just releasing, like, thousands right. and thousands of them every month anyway. Who are, you know... 
turning probably right around and coming back. I don't know. Yeah. But the thing is, you, you don't think the Mexican troops are going to do that? No. They, no. You know, they're they're, they're going to they're going to shoot. They're uh, going to shoot, or they're going to hey, just stay turn on your back. side. Stay don't on come your over side, here. and we'll shoot you. Yeah, ex- exactly. Or, yeah. You know, whatever. But here's the thing. So all of these people that are uh, like cheering on these these migrant caravans um, from these Latin American countries through Mexico, now that Mexico is actually exercising responsibility for their southern border, uh, these people, by cheering on these caravans, uh, are doing a real disservice to those people. I mean, they're basically right. encouraging actions that are going to get these people killed. Yeah. They, and they were they all along, be doing, but now I even mean, if, more if so. If you're concerned, you know, don't encourage people to leave their country and then, you know, travel to another country illegally and then just storm that other country and start demanding to participate right. in, you know, a way of life or whatever. Especially yeah. when they, you know, probably wouldn't really participate. Instead, yeah, they don't. if you're so concerned, go teach those people how to establish their own ways of life. Fix their you know, own countries. Latin American countries are super rich in natural resources. There is no reason for them to be poor. They're poor yeah. because they have... Bad governments. Qual- yeah, usually either socialist or quasi-socialist or some kind of totalitarian government. Yeah. They're poor be- because because they don't have capitalism is what it boils down to. Right. Um, that's Now... Somehow, you know, obviously it's not like you can flip some kind of a switch. There's, there's got to be development and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, that's what Christian missionaries have, have done in addition to preaching the gospel. They've built schools and they've taught, um, you know, the physical subjects yeah. and they've taught communications, which is extremely well, important. In a lot of these cases, reading it's, and it's writing. probably uh, going to take some sort of civil war or revolution to get these things started but yeah that's what happened yeah. in america so but you know when 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 those do happen let's not support the the communist ones let's right <laughs> yeah that's i mean there have been a few revolutions down there in the past and america seems to always get on 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 the communist side on the and, wrong and, side and it becomes a big uh yeah embarrassment uh so anyway yeah. uh yeah, well so. speaking of of in places like Honduras, there's these huge uh, mass anti-government protests in Honduras where they're burning down uh, U.S. embassies. Huh. Um, okay, so, I, so you know, let's burn down the U.S. embassy because the US, United States is so evil that... Because we didn't want them up here, basically. That we want, yeah, well, that's the point. I mean, the, the United States is so evil that, that that's where we want to go. Yeah. If we're that bad, then why do they want to come here anyway? Exactly, it, it's crazy. You know, it's, but it, you know, it shows you that that this this is not just. Here's the thing: it shows you this is not just regular people who are going about their lives and then deciding that they need to do. These are people. These who, are activists. Well, they're not just activists. That. They're people. I mean, the, the the extremely poor people who are forming these caravans or, you know, burning these embassies or whatever. They're people who are being manipulated. These are people who who are in some manner by by some group being led to do these things. This isn't just yeah. coming up from a grassroots kind of a thing. 
Right. And, and that's, I think there's, I think there's people who think that this is just grassroots. It isn't. These, right. These people are being, are being pushed this way by, by somebody. I, you know, I, I, I'm probably, it would be easy enough to find out who and which groups and so on and so forth. I, I think there's a number but, of groups. I, I think we've investigated these things and, uh, like, for example, the Venezuelan government was uh, funding some of these caravans. Uh, right. So was the Mexican cartel. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. The Mexican the, cartels would love these people to flood into our country because th- those are the mules. These are anti-American uh, organizations that are yeah. pushing these caravans. So it is it is what... It, I mean, it's got to be stopped. Trump's the first person to stop it. Uh, right. Obama, if you will remember, he did, tr- quote, try to stop it. You remember, he talked about... Well, he was the one who set up all those cages where the kids, where they take the pictures of the kids in the cages and the parents being separated. That was oh, all him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Well, anyway, uh, that's what's happening. Um, so I guess there was question of uh, Governor Larry Hogan was... Uh, going to run for president to challenge Trump and he has decided he will not uh, and then there's another guy named Bill Weld who might challenge Trump for the 2020 president for the uh, uh, Republican nomination yeah but okay. I don't know. It, it's silly what nobody's going to uh, I don't know where Bill Weld is from uh, Larry okay. Hogan is Maryland okay but nobody's going to be Trump, so it doesn't matter. No. So knock it off. Um, you don't, and we don't want Trump. anyone. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you just I mean, be on his team? Why not be on yeah. the winning team? We're finally winning. <laughs> and, and the thing is, be a we're part of it. winning at the right stuff. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're beating the bad things. I don't know. It's it's crazy that our, our politicians are so... I don't even know what drives them anymore. Because I think yeah, about... I mean, you can look at what's happening and you can know that we're in the right. For It just thinks mm-hmm. about abortion. You know yeah. we're in the right here. History will look back on these days. What do you want yeah. them to see? Someone right. who opposed right. the guy who was doing what's right and who had to be beaten down? Do you want to be one of those guys who had to be beaten? Or do you yeah. want to be part yeah. of the winning I mean, team who, you know. who rearranged things or... Or arrange things again the way they're supposed to be. Right. Uh, okay. Did you see the video about for, of Nancy Pelosi that was kind of doctored and made it look like she was drunk and slurred speech <laughs> stuff like that? I did. I didn't even see it. I, I don't. Just I don't a watch excerpts. videos. Uh, right. I if if when I see things on the internet, if if they can't if they're not written down, I tend not to even bother because it's I, I don't have time. I can read in 20 seconds what it takes three minutes to come across in a video yeah and yeah tell i just me don't have it. the time so i don't watch videos but go ahead and mm-hmm. explain what happened well I, a guy I, I saw had, reference to it <laughs> a guy had used uh had had doctored a video to make it look like pelosi was drunk and and not and slurring her speech and stuff like that so and it's just, just a guy having fun or or did he that's put what it, it ended up being well he put it out it there a, but he was like the, from the Bronx, and he was just having fun, and he just he okay. didn't 
he didn't, he didn't say put it, it out was, there as a he didn't claim it was a real video or anything like that. I think he kind of did with the assumption that everybody would know. I mean, wouldn't yeah, that's what it's I mean. obviously a doctored video, but yeah, okay. uh, the Daily Beast identified him, and from what uh, I understand, they used some uh, illegal means to get a hold of this guy's identification oh, and wow. then outed him and so uh, you know that poor guy he, he's a I think he's an African American in he's a black guy in the Bronx man but he's getting all kinds of heck well let's pray for him and raise a glass to yeah. him yeah he's I just mean, having you know, fun just, he's just having fun I mean okay yeah. it's, it's like you know that's no different than than the you know the spineless bush bubble video games or right. the the stupid uh, you know talk about infantile the the Trump baby yeah balloon yeah. thing they had in Britain I it you was know retarded. okay those those were a bunch of infantile retards mm-hmm. uh, this this guy was was it's just having uh, some fun just having fun yeah that's you know yeah. okay so. Well, whoever he is, okay. you know, uh, sorry to, uh, <laughs> sorry yeah. we, we're so stupid about it and treat you so badly. <laughs> can't, can't, don't have any sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, United States announces new restrictions on American travel to Cuba, uh, effective Wednesday. Okay. Now, had we lifted restrictions since I think that's Fidel's what had death? happened. Yeah, I think Obama lifted all kinds of restrictions. Oh, As a matter sorry. of fact, it's my understanding that like Cuban cigars aren't even illegal anymore. Illegal anymore? I think so, right. I might be wrong about okay. that, but it's my understanding so, that uh, Obama lifted all kinds of things, and now we're re- I think we're re-inserting uh, these <clears throat> restrictions. Okay. So, um, let's see. Okay, the Scott Peterson is okay. the um, was the officer that was present at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. He was the one who stayed outside and set up a perimeter instead of going in and getting the bad guy, even though he was armed. He's been arrested for failing to act. Okay. Uh, so he he was he was there and he. he from everything we can tell, it was an act of cowardice. He just didn't want to go up against the shooter. I, that's what it looks like. Can't say for sure. I guess he's he's going to be arrested and charged, and then um, we'll see what happens. So, okay, but are you... Is this just a case of um, name overlap? Are you sure it's Scott Peterson? Scott Peterson is what it's reported. Because Scott oh, Peterson... You, mean, you remember, you remember the, Lacey the, Peterson? No. Uh, Lacey uh, Peterson, I think, was the one who who was uh, it basically like disappeared, and they couldn't find her. But they finally convicted her husband of murdering her. I think that's probably just they happen to have the same name. No, I don't. I mean, this was a huge story too. That would be so weird if his name is the same. Okay, so now this is just some guy who was supposed to protect kids, who was there to protect kids. Which then, uh, it, which. Um, shooting was it oh one t one t scott okay okay this is a guy in in parkland florida there was that shooting it it was like less than a year ago and remember they turned it into a great big political thing that's that that kid came out of that uh 
I can't remember his name, but he was in all the news. He was like an 18-year-old kid who uh, became this big liberal uh, activist. Um, But but there was a deputy there at the school. And when the shooting started, instead of going in, he he set up he said he set up a perimeter he put blockers to uh and stationed himself outside the school uh while the shooting was happening and i think even other officers showed up and in, and he uh directed them to not go in okay and that is not part of his training he had been trained in active shooter situations and his training was not to stay outside and set up a perimeter. It was to go in. Right. So, okay, I, I mean, okay. it, it looks like so, it was an act of cowardice. And he's been arrested now for that yeah, act. Yeah. And I guess we'll see what happens in the uh, trial. Right, right. Now, that's there. there is one... Uh, I mean, the, the, the trial can be, you know, against his training and what he was supposed to do and that kind of stuff. Um, there's a quote from uh, Eugene O'Donnell, fellow professor at uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice, also a New York for, former New York police officer, and he says, which on its face it sounds pretty reasonable, but I'd have to to learn a little bit more about it. And honestly, I'm not a policeman, and I'm not a uh, I've never been in the military, so there's a lot here that I just don't know in terms of direct uh, understanding. But he has this quote, criminalizing someone for not acting in the middle of a mass murder is built on the preposterous notion that Navy police officers or that police officers are Navy SEALs in disguise and can spring into action. You never know what you're yeah. going to do when the bullets start flying. Well, you know, certain, another thing. There's a certain way that that sounds reasonable to me, but I don't there know. Was you know? A, uh, there was a, a case uh, in the Supreme Court about police officers who did not act to save someone from something and Mm -hmm. the supreme court found that police officers are not bound to save someone who is in trouble it is not a crime for them not to act right Mm -hmm. so i i i think he has a case yeah okay Uh, okay but then again there might be state laws i mean it's one of those things or even city laws you know, you you, okay. Don't call him a hero, uh, you know, and and hold up as an exemplar the guy who does act, who does put himself in danger and so forth. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there there is a reasonable expectation, a certain level of, um, you know, th- 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 that we hold our police officers too are you know to well to, they have oaths that they to take. put themselves between danger and us as normal citizens yeah. i mean we, we give them certain privileges we say hey okay if you direct us to do things we've got to do them that you know a direct order right. we've got to follow even though it may be an illegal order okay if, if you're telling me to do something illegal obviously i can't but if you say i have to go to that side of the street i have to go to that side of the street you're a police officer i've got to yeah. do what you say we give you those privileges and you get to carry a gun around and you, and you get, get to, to carry a gun and so on and so on. you but get free in, drinks in exchange, at udf and, yeah in exchange know. we expect you to put yourself in the line of danger between danger and us Definitely. and especially our kids you know the, so the, you know there's yeah. there's whether 
however it pans out in terms of a legal trial, you know, I, I think that, that there's at least a, a, a also a very, you know, solid reasonableness that that morally he should have been expected to, to step up. Definitely. And, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but, I mean, his name has now been... I, I mean, people know his name now. Right. Uh, so it's like, obviously, he's never going to be in law enforcement again. He's probably going to have a tough time finding another job for a while. Right. Until people forget the name. But, uh, so, he's been arrested. I think he's out on bail now. But, <clears throat> now, speaking of shootings, uh, Ralph Northam, that governor in Virginia, uh, is calling a special session on gun control. Uh, is is after that shooting in Virginia Beach. Oh, that, right. Uh, I think they he, he killed... 12 people that's we talked about it last week i think but he's gonna call a special session to talk about gun control which the thing is this is virginia there's a lot of good old boys in virginia but the problem is that it's also right south of washington Mm dc so a lot of people in virginia are uh are are government people who are yeah, establishment people, I guess you yeah. would say, you yeah. know, and they're people who would go for that. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's going to pass some laws or what, but we'll see. Um, new uh, YouTube is calling a new uh, policy um, regarding hate speech. Um, I guess you know things like neo Nazis and, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know what that's going to see. They subsequently suspending several popular white right-wing channels why is neo-nazis right-wing i don't get that because i don't know anyone on the right who is a neo-nazi and i haven't heard any neo-nazi or white supremacist content that sounds in any way right-wing no no they don't believe anything that we believe no, that, and that's that's the the I guess one of the uh, uh, the wins uh, of the I don't know the right. left or, or whoever that that they could um, they get to define these terms and it's to, like yeah, come on yeah, wait you're just gonna label me over this way exactly give me a that, break it's like okay wait a minute so on the right we have uh, limited government and. Uh, you know, individual accountability and freedom and, uh, you know, deregulation yeah. and non-totalitarianism and... and yeah, so and on, if so they're on, neo-Nazis, so then they believe in and totalitarianism. Exactly. On the left, that's where we have government regulation and totalitarianism and, you know, lockstep with, a, you know, centrally defined culture and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. Uh, you know. Nazis is left wing, not right right wing, uh, you know. <laughs> um, and in fact, on on that scale, um, uh, Islamist Sharia law is left wing, not right wing. Yeah. Um, although you know that actually the left accepts that because the left is they're in some kind of weird love affair with with Muslims right now. Anyway, I don't, yeah, it's weird. I kind of don't get. It's it. odd. But anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, big news of the day. Um, so NASA is has its plans to commercialize um, the International Space Station. 
Okay. Um, they are focusing their attention on putting another man and the first woman on the moon by 2024. Now, Trump tweeted wow. about this. I saw the tweet. He's like, why are you guys focused on the moon? We've already been to the moon. Do something new. Yeah. Um, go to Mars. <laughs> yeah, so now we got to put a woman on the moon. A big deal. Oh, that's um, that's okay. Yeah, like like that's that's different than putting a man on the moon. I... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but the International Space Station is supposed to be. It's it's reaching the end of its life, or okay. its expected life, what it was built for, and right. so they are kind of. They're focusing their resources on the moon landing and commercializing the ISS so that I, I think they I think it would be like fifty eight million dollars to go there. So um, okay, so when you say commercializing, you literally mean commercializing, not just privatizing. They're 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 like Right. Like they're talking tickets. about that and doing things that you can only do in space, but I don't know what any of those things are. Certain, uh, like, uh, manufacturing that would happen up there and things like that. But wow. I don't I don't know of anything that can happen in space that can't happen here. I wonder if they're going to be, like, collecting souvenirs. Well, I don't maybe, know. But, you know, I, I guess I, I know that, they're, you know, Outside, you know, when you take gravity away, there's certain things that you can do in terms of, of materials and in terms of, yeah. of material handling and mixing and and that kind of stuff. That that uh, and but you know, to be able to, to to do those things just on the space station on a scale that would count as manufacturing that that doesn't seem. I mean, right. prototyping maybe. But yeah, I, you know, to to do actually a manufacturing interest in space, you, you know, that's where you'd be better off. Um, I don't know, setting up a base on the moon and doing it in, in one sixth gravity, low gravity, gravity, yeah, or something like that. So yeah, all right. So, well, <clears throat> yeah, I I that's I, it for I mean, me. I, I think there's probably <laughs> maybe a little bit more to be learned on the moon, and and maybe we, you know, who knows? Maybe the moon could be a viable. Um, mm -hmm base station for trips to other planets or something like that so i don't a hundred percent agree with trump that that they should you know ignore the moon and do something different but at the same time um to focus specifically on a woman as as a um achievement <laughs> yeah stu seems, that's stupid it is dumb okay <clears throat> all right i've got uh two items uh, from the nation of nonsense. Okay. One of them is in Canada. This uh, kid was caught driving like 105 miles an hour. Of course, he's Canadian, so it, it, the actual speed was in kilometers per hour. It's like 170 kilometers an hour. Um, but it works out to 105 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> he was stopped by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I don't know how Mounted Police... Mounted? Uh, <laughs> they, they <laughs> it puts These an Canadians image in your head, dumb. doesn't it? I know. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't outrun a horse, moron. Exactly. <laughs> well, that must be some horse if they caught up at 105 yeah. miles an hour. That guy's gonna get no, made I, fun of the rest of I, his life. <laughs> I guess the blockade. Mounties, I guess. No, I, I guess know. the Mounties don't don't just ride horses though. They must have cars. <laughs> 
He's yeah. Still, he's, well. Anyway, here's the thing, though. <laughs> the reason for the, his his excuse for the for going so fast is that he had had too many hot wings and he needed to get to a bathroom. <laughs> had to go to the bathroom, huh? <laughs> I've never used that as an could excuse just, for speeding. If they're using Mounties, then he's close to the woods. He could have just pulled That's over right. and gone just, into the woods. Go ahead. I mean, come I had to on. go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, go right there. I, sometimes if I'm speeding and I see a cop, and the, I immediately start thinking of excuses of why I was speeding. And yeah. I guess, I guess I could see me trying that one. Oh, okay. I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> About to pee my pants. Yeah. And you just made it worse, officer. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> now I got to go in the car. You know, once I got pulled over for speeding, and it was out in the country, and I, he's like, but it was one of those stupid ones where the speed limit's like 40, even though it's like a, you know, just, you can see yeah. for miles country road that should have been 55 or whatever. Anyway, that. You know, and he pulled me over, and I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, you know, if open road, it just kind of took me, you know. I just gave that excuse, and he said, well, okay, well, watch your speed from now on. He let me go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never make it. Actually, I never actually make excuses once I get caught. I just sit there, yeah, I was speeding. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I ran a stoplight. Yeah, give me the ticket. Come on. I got to go. All right. The other one... Um, so in California, weather uh, weather stations, uh, you know, they have their radar and stuff. <laughs> they yeah. got confused for a while about what was showing up on radar as a rain cloud, but there was no cloud. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out that it was a massive cloud of ladybugs measuring 10 miles wide and 15 wow. miles long. That's I a guess lot they, of ladybugs. Yeah, it's called a bloom. I guess they fly at a at at you know something over five thousand feet, you know, elevation over five thousand feet. Mm-hmm. I would hate to live where that many ladybugs can can be in one place. I think they landed in Cleves like that once. I, <laughs> oh, did they? Oh, I, I came ladybugs. home and I or I like I fell asleep on the porch on the couch. And when I woke up, I thought it was dark because the window was covered. But then another wow. window wasn't covered. That and many, huh? Yeah, it was terrible. They oh, are, gosh. I was sickened by that many ladybugs. And, you know, I'm trying to think of how to get rid of them. And I actually, like, not just outside, but inside. I didn't know. Yeah. Like, they covered the light bulb one in Ooh, one room. Wow. They got yeah. inside and they covered the light bulb. And I'm like, what do I do? I, do I have to wipe them off? And I, for some reason, I didn't think of using the vacuum cleaner. I actually oh. looked up online what to do about it, and it said, just vacuum it up. And uh, I thought, All wow, right. that's just stupid. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I filled up a whole bag. Oh, man. Oh, they that's had awful. attacked me. So, okay, well, 10, yeah. 10 miles by 15 miles. I don't know how, how deep. That's terrible. That's an invasive species. Oh, are I they? think Where they're they from, from China. I think, Those darn Chinese. I think Just we like brought the Chinese, them here. Like yeah. Chinese beetles, huh? Yeah. Well, we brought them here to eat the aphids. Oh. Have you ever seen what... them eat aphids? No. They... I don't even. I, I don't know that I've ever seen an aphid. Aphids are like super tiny, aren't they? Yeah, they're really, really small. But, like, if you find one on a leaf with aphids, 
you'll see it walk along and it's almost like vacuuming them up. No kidding. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So, there must be a reason that they're called ladybugs. I don't know. That I, you know, ladies in China or ladies in Japan, I don't know. Maybe there's, you know, mess with uh, them or something. Yeah, I don't know. I know they stink also. <laughs> and and maybe they, that's it. I have gotten bit by one. I know nobody believes that. Seriously? I didn't. Know I they saw bit. one on my arm, and I was just sitting there watching. I was walking. Uh, along this country road uh-huh. uh, and one landed on my arm and it was just one and I just sat there watching it and I was getting ready to flick it but all of a sudden it, oh, I, fe- I felt this really hard sting uh-huh. and then I flicked it away and, but it, it didn't leave a mark or anything but it's just I don't it, I don't know I, maybe it I thought think it it's all an aphid yeah my arm was an aphid alright well, that's all I've got. Okay. Well, uh, that's a lot to think about this week. So, and I, I think next week we're going to do a little bit about environmentalists and yeah, environmentalism. Yeah, let's dig that one. Uh, dig deep into that one. Yeah. And uh, but think about what we said, and circle the beads. Circle the beads, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.